everybody, this is Daniel Patrick, and this is episode number 154 of the Mandolins and Beer Podcast, brought to you in part by my favorite website, The Mandolin Cafe, also brought to you in part by Acoustic Disc, where they have some incredible releases out there and more coming every month. Uh, last month was Dog Works Volume 2, and then a podcast with him and Danny Barnes talking about Shady Grove, so be sure to check that out. Um, just back from IBMA, I say just back from IBMA, it's Friday and I'm still catching up on sleep. If you've never been to IBMA, it is just like a wildly good time. There's so much music. And the first thing I want to do is I want to thank everybody who took the time to stop by my booth. It really is just, uh, I, I can't believe it. I can't believe that many people listen and that people actually take the time to stop by and and say hey. So thank you so much. It really, really means the world to me. It was really nice meeting everybody and hope you had a good time. As, as much as I did. And actually, I know the uh, the Collins brothers did. <laughs> so, oh man, what a, what a great what a great couple guys. There's, it's just a blast. It's the shortest, longest week of my life. I, you know, I don't think I got to bed before 5 a.m. pretty much any night after Wednesday started. So, great times. And then I also got, if you haven't seen my, um, my Instagram or my Facebook, I got to have a pretty great jam with Sierra Hall and, and Missy Rains and uh, the one song that got captured, there was a nine-year-old fiddle player named Alexander, and I made a point to grab him from the outskirts and put him in the middle there and play a solo. It's just amazing. It's so incredible to see, you know, this this the young group of musicians. Uh, Wyatt Ellis was up there as well and just blazed a solo. That kid's, I, I, he gets better every time I see him. And he's he's amazing when you catch his Instagram posts, but when you see him in person, it's it's really a trip. Peter Roan, uh, Chris Henry couldn't make that make the uh, IBMA Awards show, so they had uh, Wyatt Ellis played for Chris Henry. It was he did a great great job. So. To the young people out there, uh, also Teo Quayle from Cry and Uncle, and he has a new album with a band called Jubilee that's on Bandcamp, and it's Bandcamp Friday as well. So be sure to uh, to go out there and support your favorite artists today. It's the one day a month where Bandcamp gives all the money to the artists. So anyway, great, great times, and a great, great showing for awards for guests from Mandolins and Beer. Harry... Clark won the uh, Momentum Player of the Year, uh, Full Court Bluegrass, Brian Oberlin, they won Momentum Band, Lillian Werbin, she won a big award, a, the uh, Momentum Award there as well, so, and uh, yeah, it was great, and Entertainer of the Year, Rick Ferris, so Mandolins of Beer guests had a good showing at IBMA. I can't wait till next year. It'll probably take me that long to uh, get some sleep. I also have shows coming up in November in Michigan with my Tom Petty Bluegrass Tribute. We'll be playing Grand Rapids, The Listening Room, November 3rd. Playing Bay City, Michigan, my old hometown, at the State Theater, November 4th. And then we are back at Otis Supply in Ferndale on November 5th. Be sure to get tickets. I'd love to see y'all. Shoot me a message. We're actually maybe trying to find a gig on the way up as well. We're driving up. So if you anything off of I-75, about seven or eight hours out of uh, Michigan, let me know. That's <laughs> probably pretty pretty wide net, but I'll take any, rec- any recommendations I can get. I got to meet Dan Gable from Peghead Nation, man. Uh, what a nice guy. I love Peghead Nation. Um, they've been a sponsor since episode number two, and they've got the best mandolin lineup 
of instructors out there. Sharon Gilchrist, who was there. Joe K. Walsh, Mike Compton, John Reichman, who I got to meet. Aaron Weinstein, Marla Feibish, and Chad Manning. It's the best. All They, they all include high-quality multi-angle video lessons, downloadable notation and tab, play-along tracks, and plenty of tunes and songs to play the best part, of course. Is your first month is free if you go to pegheadnation.com and use that promo code MANDOLINBEER, all one word, at checkout. Speaking of Mandolin Beer, if you do that in all caps and you go over to straightupstrings.com, you, through the end of this year, can get 10% off single packs of strings, six packs of strings, and all the books that Roger Simonoff has done. They're legendary. Uh, the strings are legendary. Wyatt uses those strings. C.J. Lewandowski uses those strings. You hear every note of every chord. Find out for yourself and get 10% off. Just go to straightupstrings.com and use that promo code MANDOLINBEER, all caps, at checkout. Um, Northfield Mandolins, let's build more than a mandolin together. Check out their website at northfieldmandolins.com. Download their app at mandosummit.app for lots of special performance recordings, demonstrations, and special workshops. They had an octave mandolin that was electric with a bass pickup. Watch Sierra Hall play it. Saw Mary Meyer play it. It is incredible, so stay tuned for some of that. Um, welcoming back Ear Trumpet Labs, hand-built microphones in Portland, Oregon. Their mics are beautifully designed, have great feedback rejection for live use, and the most natural tone you'll find for acoustic instruments today. They had those uh, mics everywhere at so many performances, by the way. Great stuff. Check them out at eartrumpetlabs.com today. Pava Mandolins, dedicated for the impassioned player. You're going to hear all about Pava in this upcoming episode. And one of the best-sounding mandolins that people were talking about was the uh, was Kathy's mandolin at the Pava booth. A lot of people talking about that one. Uh, great stuff. It was great to see Pava as well. And Elderly Instruments. Um, what a great group of people at Elderly. They're your trusted source for new, used, and vintage fretted and stringed instruments. For the experienced beginner player, their vast selection of mandolins, guitars, banjos, ukuleles, and did I mention mandolins, includes all of the accessories and books to go with them. All the instruments are inspected and set up for easy playability, and their down-to-earth and knowledgeable staff are there to help. Now in their 50th year, they're family-owned, operated, ship worldwide, and you can visit them anytime at elderly.com. Stan and Lillian, it was great to meet you. Dan, great to meet you too, buddy. I hope you're wearing that mandolin shirt. And those mandolin shirts, I have them in stock. I will get them up on the website. The hats are sold out, but on order. The hats were the hit of IBMA, I think. Uh, I couldn't believe how many people I saw wearing them. Anyway, let's get into this episode with Michael Pruitt. Heck of a guy, great player, great singer, playing with special consensus. Let's get into it, y'all. Have a great week. Cheers, everybody. pleasure to welcome to the podcast michael pruitt michael how's it going it's great it's great daniel thanks uh thanks for having me on it's uh you know i gotta say i've been i've been listening to the podcast uh, and been a big a big fan ever since uh, ever since the first episode back with uh, david benedict i remember when that came out and i was like oh this is i was sort of just getting into podcasts too at the same time so i was like oh this is awesome you know there's a <laughs> there's gonna there's gonna be this new podcast and and so congrats on the uh, 150 plus of these man that's <laughs> that's a that's a lot of uh, that's a lot of dedication to like doing anything 150 <laughs> times is <laughs> <Right>. you know <laughs> oh, but, but, but especially something of this magnitude I, 
I like really, I'm just, I'm just, uh, you know, hamming you up here for a second, but, um, you know, this, this feels, uh, this podcast feels a really important kind of hole, I think in like the mandolin world, I think it's probably done as much as anything in the past few years at, at, at giving, like letting people hear mandolin players, mandolinists, artists that uh, they hadn't, wouldn't have heard otherwise maybe. And, uh, just like kind of fostering a community. So I think it's really cool. And it's, it's definitely a huge honor to be on here. Oh, wow. Well, thank you so much for saying that. I really, really appreciate it. Um, yeah, I mean, I mean it. <laughs> yeah. Thanks. It's, it's, a, it's really blows my mind, especially like, I mean, I see the numbers every week. So I know like how many listens it gets and it's, it's a lot of listens, but like being at IBMA, which we were both just at and kind of mm-hmm. just still catching up from, <laughs> it was like, it was amazing to meet people at the trade show who literally were, that kind of came there to meet me, you know, which was, yeah, and say hi. And it's just like, it's astounding to me. And I mean, I just do it because I love the mandolin so much. And um, I figured there'd be a few people out there who would also be interested, maybe, but I'm really, I really am each week, like super grateful for the amount of listens and, and, and people like yourself who take the time to say something like that makes it's, it's, it's a really a great feeling. So thank you so much. Yeah, man. It's, it's great. So this is your first, it was your first IBMA in 10 years, huh? Yeah. I, um, the last time I went, I'm saying 10 years, I think it was about, you know, 2011, 2012. Uh, it was in Nashville the last time I went and, uh, I went, uh, we went a, a few years in a row, maybe three, something like that, uh, as part of uh, the band I was in in high school, or, which was like a school district band. Uh, my, my, my middle school and high school uh, had, a, had a bluegrass program, an after-school bluegrass program, and, uh, which is where I first picked up a mandolin, too. Uh, but, but anyway, they, we, we took, a, took a few trips down when it was in Nashville. I guess when it was in Raleigh, it was maybe too far away or something. I don't, I don't know. Um, I had graduated by the time it moved to Raleigh. Um, it, but yeah, that, that, I guess that high school bluegrass band, it, it was a really cool thing. I've never heard that before. That's, I mean, how great is that? It was awesome, man. And, and the, uh, the, the cool thing, the funny thing is we didn't have a marching band at the time. We had like a pet band or something, but we didn't have a marching band, and, uh, but we had a bluegrass band. Uh, and, and the coolest part about it, probably more than anything, was they had a little like instrument library, you know, uh, where you could just check out these kind of starter quality instruments. And I came into the, to the program playing fiddle. I had started playing fiddle when I was like seven or eight or something. And uh, was kind of just hit and miss, you know, as far as my desire to practice and play and that sort of thing, up until uh, I, I went in that program. And then I started to play more, and and, uh, and then I was probably twelve, you know, or so, starting middle school, and uh, and and picked up a mandolin out of that sort of lending library type deal, and was like, well, shoot, I can uh, I can I can already play this better than I can the fiddle, you know, <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's, it's like it's easier. <laughs> And, uh, so, so I started playing that and then just, you know, did not put it down for, you know, still haven't put it down really. <laughs> now you, um, you're in, you're in Kentucky because you're, you're going to be playing a festival there. That's where you grew up. Right. Yep. Grew up in uh, Southeast Kentucky. Uh, Whitley County is the county, uh, Williamsburg, Corbin. I grew up kind of on a farm, uh, in between, in between those two towns out in the county. And, uh, I moved away after after college, uh, but yeah, that's that's where I lived for the first 
first portion of, of my life. I was sort of learned to learn to play, you know, really. Was your family kind of like a, like a bluegrass listening family? Yeah, my, my dad certainly was. Um, my mom, not, not so much. She just, she didn't, mom's not a big music person. Um, but dad was, is, was, and is really into bluegrass. And, uh, I guess the first, I was trying to think the other day who the first bluegrass artist I saw was, and they, they would have been the first musical artist I saw of any kind. Um, it was either Melvin Goins or J.D. Crow oh, was wow. the first, was the, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which is pretty, you know, those were like, there's this festival in town, like this street festival every October, and they would have free bluegrass on Thursday nights, or on Thursday night of that festival, which always happened in the fall, and it was always a quote-unquote local band, you know, which would be somebody like J.D. Crow or, you know, Melvin Goins or <laughs> somebody like that. Um, but anyway, so dad, dad would, dad would took, took me out to see that i remember when i was a little kid and i just wanted to play the fiddle like uh like ron stewart that was who i saw with jd and uh so they uh, folks tried to you know started asking people if you know somebody had a fiddle because nobody plays in my family um but they started asking you know friends and stuff and i got this little three-quarter fiddle and and then uh my music teacher at school i think i was in first grade or second grade or something and um they they asked you know do you do you know if there's anybody that can teach fiddle and she said yeah well as it happens my uh, my nephew just just got back from playing with Larry Sparks I wonder if it's raining in the mountain. I wonder how the old town looks today And if the church is there beside the river So, <laughs> you know, and uh, so anyway, it's, it, that's kind of, that kind of sums up for me like what it was, what it's like to grow up in an area where there, where bluegrass is kind of one of the like accepted art for musical art forms, you know, where, where, it's, where there's a, a lot of it around, you know, where it's, it's really, it's, it's harder for somebody like I, the after Kentucky, I moved to North Dakota, and up there it was, you know, like people that were trying to learn how to play. It was it's you got to put forth a lot of effort, you know, to find to find somebody who can teach you or to find, you know, just to 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 get into that kind of circle. But growing up, it was like, you know, I would have had to really try to avoid it, you know, and uh, so I, I always think that's. I think of myself as just a musician who happened to grow up playing bluegrass and less of a person who like sought out bluegrass, you know, um, or it's, well, you know, there's pros and cons to both there, you know, some people choose bluegrass at like 20, you know, and, uh, and they bring something special to it. And then I really can't hardly get away from it. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. uh, and, and not, not, not that I want to really, but it's like, you know, that's just, it's almost like that's my vocabulary you know, is, are those kinds of phrases and licks and melodies and things, you know. That's great. I mean, you know, where I was from, the uh, most prominent music would have been like Bon Jovi, (laughs) 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 which sadly, I think some of those licks probably still come through my playing, unfortunately. (laughs) No, that's cool. I mean, that's, that's, it's always, you know, like everybody brings something different, you know? Yeah, that's, that's (laughs) neat. And I think it's really great that at like 12 years old, I think it's really cool 
so, you know, I played drums when I was a kid at that age. And, you know, those high school years when you're playing, you have all this focus on getting better at the instrument because you have that, you know, it's, that's like your thing as a kid. And, you know, I Mm -hmm. focused on drums, but for you focusing at 12, what was it then when you got the mandolin? Like what was some of the stuff that you started working on and really diving into at that age? Well, you know, it started with whatever everybody else in the, like the school band was, was doing, you know? So like the first tune I can remember really like trying to learn a solo for, was was home from the forest you know the the gordon lightfoot uh song tony rice did I remember going home and, and like, you know, because whoever, the, one of the teachers that had been playing mandolin on that song previously would play to, you know, a version of that solo. And I was like, oh, I got to, I got to go learn that. I said, well, it's off this album here. Go, go, uh, you know, go listen to it and, you know, you can, you can learn it. And that's the first solo I ever remember, like actually breaking down and trying to play exactly like it was on the record. And that's got some changes in it too. I mean, that's not, it's not just yeah, one, that's, four or five. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. <laughs> Which the melody is pretty simple. I mean, you know, like the break is not super hard. Um, and I played, you know, like a 12 year old's version of it probably, but <laughs> you know, <laughs> but you know, that's, it was a lot of that sort of thing. I mean, actually that teacher, uh, Jim Harp was his name. He's really a bass player is what he does mostly. Um, uh, but he, he was like a, a huge, you know, influence as far as giving me stuff to listen to, you know, because dad was a big fan, but you know, wasn't, he wasn't a musician and wasn't as plugged into some of the, um, like kind of more heady stuff, you know, that, 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 that this guy would give me, like he, he gave me, one of the first albums I remember was the David Grisman, Sam Bush, uh, you know, hold on or strumming there. I think it's called, I heard it and I was like, it just like blew my mind. I was like, oh my God, this, what, what is this? You know, like this is, you can do this with a mandolin, you know? And, uh, and, and a lot of that Grisman stuff he, he turned me on to. And, uh, I don't know, just a lot of, I just started listening to a ton of, ton of different stuff. And a lot of it was, you know, sort of pushing, pushing the boundaries, uh, in that way, you know, like, like, uh, whatever you want to call it, sort of new acoustic you know, kind of feeling stuff and a lot of Grisman stuff. And, um, and then probably about the same time my folks got serious XM, uh, in, you know, and, and listening to bluegrass junction a lot, just heard, um, a lot of different kind of, you know, styles and artists and that sort of thing. And so I, I, I mostly did a lot of my learning by just playing 
along with stuff on the radio or CDs and uh, just kind of absorbing, you know, just like so much music. Um, but I, I, I had quit taking lessons by then. I, I really have never taken mandolin lessons. I had fiddle lessons um, and then sort of, you know, converted a lot of that to the mandolin. And then along with just, you know, mimicking and kind of playing in whatever my way was at the time, you know, versions of like a lot of the stuff that I was hearing on, on albums and, and things. And so, so that was cool. I mean, I, I, I kind of avoided the, like, you got to play like, you know, all these people trap, you know, of, of, of like learning exact stuff. Um, but then, then a little later in life, I kind of realized that I should break down some solos a bit more. So then I, I did that and that helped a lot too. Uh, but, but a lot of it was just, uh, two, I, I guess the one thing I haven't mentioned is just going, there was a, there was a weekly jam that happened, uh, at this sawmill cabin, um, beside this, this little like convenience store. And I'd go out there a lot and just, you know, it was every Friday night and start at eight o'clock and or seven or whenever it was and play to sometimes the sun came up, you know, and it was, and the dude that I, that I originally took, uh, lessons off of and my first mentor uh, Virgil Bolin is his name and uh, he teaches now at the Kentucky uh, uh, Kentucky Bluegrass School I, I can't remember what its actual name is but where Bobby Osborne teaches up there and uh, Scott Napier and um, he teaches up there now but anyway he he, he lived uh, he lived around uh, the area and he played there a lot and so I would just not take actual lessons from him but was just like you know, sitting there soaking it all up as we were playing for, you know, hours on a lot of Friday nights. And that was a pretty cool way to do it, too. How did you end up in North Dakota? Uh, I went there for school. Um, I, uh, so my undergraduate degree was in English, uh, and I went there for a master's degree in English Lit. Um, and I had kind of, you know, those, those years I kind of put the mandolin down I mean, I didn't put it down. I still played some, but I didn't play out much. Um, I don't know. There was just a lot of stuff going on <laughs> in, my, in my life at the time. That's a whole other story. But but anyway, I kind of got burned out on, on music. And, you know, also never, you know, like growing up where I did, there, weren't a, there was like really no one, I guess, that was making a full-time living or making much of a living at all uh, playing music, you know, playing bluegrass specifically. Um, it was, which is weird. There's a lot of players around, but, but there was, and there's folks, you know, that are, that I just didn't know about too. But, but, you know, the kind of the received wisdom was you can't, you can't make a living playing bluegrass, you know, and, and that's, that's just that way a lot of places, but especially in an area that is, you know, kind of uh, poor as far as, you know, in comparison to, you know, cities, some of the bigger cities and, and different scenes, you know, there's, it's hard to, it is hard to, to get paid any money playing in like, you know, rural Appalachia. Uh, it's, you know, it's, it's tougher than, than some other places anyway. So I, so I had kind of just never even considered that as like a serious thing. It all, always seemed like a kind of a fantasy, <laughs> you know? Sure. Yeah. I, I definitely know. <laughs> <laughs> I know exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure most of us do. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, so I, so I was like, well, I know what a great, uh, great money making scheme is. I'll, I'll get an English degree, <laughs> and uh, you know, <laughs> um, that was like my other love, and still is. I'm, you know, it's like always 
you know, it's music and books, man. That's that's what it's about for for me. And so anyway, I went up. I, I decided to go to graduate school, and had, there was a few places that I, you know, sort of choosing between. And North Dakota, you know, it's not like it was, you know, like the magnet school for for English literature or anything. But it was uh, it was like a long ways away from anything I knew, you know, and just seemed kind of exotic in in a in a weird way you know and uh, at that point i was just kind of wanting to get away from you know a lot of things that i was familiar with and kind of you know try to figure out who i was and you know what what i wanted to do with with my life you know and so i so i went up there and and did that for a couple of years got you know got that degree and then stayed a couple more years uh, taught um taught at the university taught english and uh, then moved to, so so that's what I did in North Dakota. And actually in North Dakota, that's where I started playing music again. Uh, was I, I went to, they have one bluegrass festival there. And um, I went there the first summer. I, I moved up there in the spring and went up there, I think in June, late June. And uh, met a lot of cool folks and uh, a, a guy who's my, you know, probably my, my best buddy to this day um, hired me. Joe Anders hired me to, uh, to play at a Halloween party later that year. He's like, Hey man, would you be interested in, you know, playing some music? And I was like, yeah, that'd be, that'd be cool. I haven't done that in a while. He's okay. It's for a Halloween party at this dive bar in the middle of nowhere in North Dakota. And I was like, okay, that sounds cool. You know, and cause I'd never actually played music in a bar before then. Oh, get out. Yeah. I grew up, you know, it was a dry County and, and just like bluegrass, you know, sometimes bluegrass like has these really different local energies and flavors, you know, and uh, where I grew up, it was pretty, you know, it was pretty uh, conservative, like, uh, I mean, not politically necessarily, but just like, you know, it was, it was, there was some high energy as far as like the music sometimes, but it was mostly, you know, older, older people playing, uh, you know, playing out of churches or, or like, you know, farmers markets and stuff. And uh, so anyway, anyway, point being, I had never played like in a bar before and had never really played anything wild, <laughs> you know, as, as like th- those two things didn't go together in my head as far as like the way that it could, you know, the, the experiences you could have playing bluegrass. You know, I had this very limited idea of what playing bluegrass with other people meant. And so anyway, I, uh, so, you know, we go play this gig and it was a Halloween dress up party and folks were just like, you know, dressed up in these outlandish costumes and people were getting, you know, hammered and it was in the middle of nowhere, North Dakota. And I was like, okay, I'm in, this is, <laughs> you know, this is cool. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and, and so, so started, that's what got me back into it. And, uh, and so I, we started playing like breweries and bars and just festivals and things around the state and uh, so on and so forth, you know. Now, when the, the town that you moved into, in North Dakota, was it was it much larger than where you grew up in in Kentucky? It was, I, yeah. It's it was a good next step, honestly. Um, I the, the, I grew up on a farm, like I said, and um, the, the closest town was like three thousand maybe people or something. And uh, the town I moved to up in uh, North Dakota, Grand Forks, uh, North Dakota, um, it's like I don't know fifty, sixty thousand in town, and and then you know a few little suburbs. So not not huge or or even big really, but definitely a step up from where I, from what I was used to. Cause I went to college in my hometown as well. And, and, um, 
so yeah, it was really cool to to not only you know like sort of experience a whole different kind of culture, the upper midwest, like extreme upper midwestern uh, you know culture, but also you know a bigger town and like you know two breweries in town and you know different different venues and and stuff and just like you know people other people that were there in grad school that I met and different you know kinds of people than that I was uh, that I grew up you know knowing which was mostly like first and coal miners and factory workers and you know and who who I love and you know those are a lot of those folks are my family and you know and, you know it's just it was a, it was great to to meet some different kinds of people um, as as well you know it's it's I think that's something that like maybe the best thing for any kind of artist uh, or musician is to just go meet a bunch of people that will bring new experiences to kind of your, uh, you know, to, to your overall experience too. I think it's similar to playing, uh, like playing music and listening to music. I mean, you know, builds your style as, as, as does meeting all sorts of different people, builds your, you know, builds you as a person and, you know, probably a songwriter and, you know, just being able to pull from all these different experiences is just, you know, invaluable in that sense. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's a, it all kind of, it all kind of, I don't know, it worked together for me, you know, because I, I started to also started to hang out with uh, this family uh, that lived close to Grand Forks on a, on a farm and they played a lot of like uh, upper Midwestern fiddle tunes and, uh, like Canadian tunes and Métis fiddle tunes and, uh, and, and like, uh, like French Canadian stuff. And, uh, and so just to, there's a whole different way of thinking about music too. And I would go over there like every Tuesday night and play, just play tunes, you know, what's a good example of one of those tunes. Um, well, as far as, um, as far as like, uh, the Canadian stuff, well, well one thing that, that happened was uh, the, the fiddler, um, she wrote a lot of tunes too in that style, so so that was really cool. Um, but but like uh, as far as the Métis stuff, there's a great Métis fiddler who not a lot of people I don't think have heard of, named Andy DeCharles. And, uh, and he was probably recording in the maybe the 60, 50s through 70s maybe or something. So it's like kind of, if you know Don Messer um, uh, from, from the eastern side of the country, he was doing that sort of stuff, like had a TV show and, and, and stuff. Um, but with a Métis kind of approach, which is a lot of more crooked um, rhythms and, and, and some more kind of, French influences on the melodies too. Um, so, I mean, the, the biggest, the biggest probably well-known tune from that, from like Winnipeg and the Red River Valley area is the Red River Jig.
Um, but there's uh, m- probably my favorite tune that comes from that uh, repertoire is called uh, "The Surveyor's Reel," and uh, it's just it, it just uh, it sort of exemplifies the best of that of, of that sort of style. I think it's just it's a, it's like a this really fast kicking reel in F, you know, and it's and it's and it's got uh, just this really like strong offbeat rhythm, you know, like the like the, the offbeat is is just like the most important in a similar way to bluegrass, you know, um, and uh, yeah. Anyway, just just learning a lot of that stuff and and like different rhythms and and just really like you know like we were just playing the melody, you know, and there was no improvisation happening. And uh, just just playing a lot of those tunes that I can't even remember now, you know. Um, and it's just because I would be like, you know, play me something else I don't know, you know. <laughs> and and so so they would, you know, they just because they they played as a family, and uh, you know, like a fiddle, concertina, and guitar kind of thing. And, and uh, you know, it's just again another totally new kind of experience musically that really like you know made me a lot better and and opened up my ears too to to be able to hear something um in a different way especially some of those ornaments you know that like the northern fiddlers put on put on the melody that that you know southern or or like bluegrass fiddlers don't often use you know with the left hand uh just a lot just soaking up a lot of that stuff when, when you were asking them to show you um, these tunes that you weren't familiar with and, and they're crooked on top of that, how would you retain those, you know, for people who are maybe listening, like, how do you, you know, how does somebody teach you a new song when you go to this? Like, how would you, how would they show it to you? And then, you know, were there recordings of it that you could find afterwards and that you worked on or? Yeah, kind of, kind of all that. I mean, sometimes I would just be like, do you, can I ever just record this and set my phone, you know, just the audio recording in the floor. And we, and the other thing is they play a tune, you know, for, you know, at least five minutes or something. Um, and it's just the melody over and over for five, six minutes. And, and part of the, that's part of the way, or part of the reason is that's how you can learn the tune, you know, is just pl- pl- playing it over and over for, by the, by the end of like five or six minutes, I'd, I'd about have it, you know, and sometimes, sometimes could remember it when I went home, sometimes not, but then I'd come over the next week and be like, Hey, can you show me that, you know, uh, you know, whatever, you know, old French reel again or whatever, you know, and, and uh, just play it over and over. But then, yeah, hearing hearing source material, too, was was really huge because then I could go home and just, you know, spend hours and <laughs> hours and hours going down the rabbit hole of all the old, you know, like Métis fiddlers. And that's something I'm still kind of in. I, I, I dig that stuff so hard, you know, and uh, and. You know, Reg Bouvet is another big fiddler from that tradition that I love. He, he uh, and he he did some stuff that's like, uh, you know, it'd be like an electric bass, maybe an electric guitar, or maybe just an acoustic guitar, a fiddle, drums, and then like a rolling three finger banjo behind it. So it's. So it's, it kind of would remind you of almost like Tommy Jackson dance stuff, you know, but it's, but it's got these weird crooked 
beats sometimes and like cross tunings and and stuff and just like real kind of party music so then you um then you join how how long into this and then you then you join the backup and push band yeah so we um we started that band in I, I think 2019 like right before the pandemic basically there the minnesota old time and bluegrass music association obatma as they call it has um has a couple festivals in the summer um at this this really cool uh, like horse park kind of deal or like riding stables ranch deal is you know all this land for camping and so i, I started going up there when i moved to north dakota too it's sort of in like central minnesota like lake country you know uh i sort of like yeah like saint cloud brainerd uh, somewhere around there and um yeah it was really nice and then over you know i started going i guess in like 2017 or something and um in 2019 uh, the fiddler and the and the banjo player and the guitar player they were already kind of you know trying to trying to they basically wanted to get together a project to play like kenny baker tunes and uh so you know uh they they have this little ranch house live what they call it it's like you know kind of a glorified jam deal at the festival where you know you don't get paid or anything but it's like you know there's there's the main stage and there's this little like bar uh like camp supply store deal in there and they also serve pizza and you know there's some tables and stuff and while the festival after the sort of after the festival um, ends or like the main acts end they have you know little 30 minute slots there so anyway uh, the banjo player david uh was like putting together a set for that and said hey would you, you're gonna be at the festival would you want to you know sit in maybe on mandolin on this set and i was like sure yeah that'd be great you know and i got there and the guitar player i think they backed out or could make it or something so i ended up playing guitar and uh and we were like oh this was this was kind of fun you know <laughs> maybe maybe we should we should do this more seriously long story short you know we did and we we recorded an album and then uh or well we, we formed the band and then sort of COVID happened and so we played like one gig i think and then <laughs> we you know took a year off basically and uh and but during that time recorded an album and uh and and then the next year, 2021, we actually got out and played quite a bit regionally. Uh, I guess we met, we played, you know, like Minnesota, Wisconsin mostly, and uh, and it was cool. I, I you know I had never played guitar in a band before, um, in like a you know an actual band setting, and um, you know I, it was cool. I got to I sang most of the lead and and was a primary songwriter, and frontman kind of person you know and uh that was pretty cool it was pretty cool because it, it definitely stretched you know stretched me out of my comfort zone um you know um and and they were they were great uh, they're great musicians and i uh, would just play um you know and that that was another another experience that really helped me grow as a musician too um is playing a lot of that because uh, uh, aj the fiddler is a really i mean just world-class fiddler and plays a lot of uh, like Missouri style old time fiddle and, um, and, and even some, you know, round peak stuff and just, just a lot of different things, plays Cajun music and uh, plays pedal steel and country bands and all kinds of stuff. So anyway, uh, <laughs> yeah, hear, hearing a lot of, <laughs> yeah, he's really you know, just a really creative person, you know, and, uh, and hearing a lot of that music and being around a lot of those jams and, uh, you know, and then I moved to Minneapolis at the beginning of 2021, 
and uh, live just like a that's like a five probably a five minute walk from the Eagles Club uh, there in in downtown or not downtown but in South Minneapolis and um, Eagles Club Thirty Four and that's where they had all of the Monday Night Square dances and um, Cajun dances and just all kind of music happening all the time you know and so getting in some of those circles uh, I only lived there for a year um, but getting in some of those circles and and you know again being exposed to a lot more music that was i wasn't you know hadn't heard before wasn't super comfortable in and trying to figure out how to you know play it or at least like appreciate it you know was uh, was really cool and so we, we played um i guess we were a band for like probably almost three years or over two years for sure um but it, it seems it seems like it it wasn't that long just because covid was kind of in the middle of that um uh, but anyway we we played uh, released an album and 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 played regionally and then uh, in towards the end of 2021 um, i joined special consensus uh playing playing the mandolin so how how does that happen um and i remember too i remember i um at ibma last year um i was having drinks at a big table with greg and um, just a whole group of people were at this giant table, but Greg was mentioning that they were gonna be looking for a new mandolin player, and then a few weeks later, I saw the announcement. I'm like, oh, sweet, man. So how does something like that come along? Well, um, that was weird, man. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I, you know, I had never met any of those guys um, ever. And, well, no, I take that. I think I, I met and jammed with Greg Blake just a little bit, um, actually, at the festival in North Dakota back in like 2017 or something, but you know, um, hadn't, he would have had no idea who I was. I hadn't r- really met any of them at all. And, uh, just got home from work one evening and, and, uh, I think I even took a nap or something and woke up and had this voicemail on my phone. And you know, that the transcript iPhone does like a transcript of the video, you know, or of the voicemail, you know? And, uh, it was like, Hey, Michael, this is Greg Cahill. And it had a K at the beginning of his name, you know, the, the transcript did and and i was like oh that is so funny it's almost like it would you know would be greg cahill and then i kept reading it it was like oh shoot this is this is greg cahill you know? yeah that's <laughs> and he was you know <laughs> basically and i was like just i was like what the hell you know how did he get my number what is going on here and um actually listened to the voicemail i was like okay I just, <laughs> i'm gonna listen to this and um they you know he said they were needing a new mandolin player and chris jones is a mutual um, but he used to be in special consensus back in the eighties, you know, and, and, uh, I had filled in or had been on his reserve list, I guess. I don't think I actually ever filled in with him, um, uh, because COVID happened too. We were supposed to do a, a run of shows like up in new England. And I think COVID canceled those. Um, but anyway, uh, had, had just known him for a while and, uh, he basically, you know, put his, gave Greg my number and, you know, said, call, call him and see if he's willing to do that. And uh, so of course I was, um, cause I, you know, I had been, uh, I was working, you know, after, after teaching, I, um, and this is also complicated, but when, when, uh, when, when COVID happened, I was an adjunct, uh, teacher, you know, I was teaching English at, as an adjunct at, at university of North Dakota and, was like, you know, probably lowest seniority there or very close, if not the lowest. And so I didn't get hired back in the, in that next fall 
because they, you know, had, they had no idea about enrollments and funding and all kinds of stuff like that, you know? And, uh, so I moved, that's when I moved down to Minneapolis and thought, you know, well, I'll just, uh, you know, might as well throw, you know, give music a chance because it's looking like academia is not <laughs> going anywhere unless I, unless I want to go try to get a PhD and I was not feeling that at the time, <laughs> um, you know, <laughs> um, so anyway, so I, I was working as a mail clerk and, uh, you know, working 40 hours a week and playing as much music as I could. And, and honestly, by the end of that year was feeling pretty burnt out. Um, not, not because the music wasn't cool, but it was just like, I was just tired all the time, you know, and like still poor and, <laughs> you know, just, you know how it is. Um, <laughs> so, so I was like, man, something's got to give. I, I, I like to, I would like to transition to, you know, if I'm going to be poor, I'd at least like to only be playing music and be poor, you know. Um, and uh, so I was trying to figure out what the next step was and how to make that happen, whether it was, you know, starting to teach a lot more, like music, teach music a lot more or, or what, you know. And then got the special C call and, you know, that was, seemed like pretty fortuitous timing. Um, so, so I, so I, immediately he's like you can have some time to think about it and i was like you know yeah okay sure and <laughs> but it was like yeah I'm, I'm i'm cool to do this this would be great and so anyway I did that and and um and ended up uh you know started i think with, i think the first i think the first time that the four of us played a show you know me greg blake greg uh, greg and dan um played a show was maybe october like the end of october or something like that and uh, so it's been basically a year, I guess, since 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 I joined the band. And it's, it's it's really been just the coolest experience, you know. What's um, it, what's it like joining an established band? I mean, that's a band you might have, you know, been hearing on XM radio when your family got XM, you know. Absolutely, I remember it was like around the time when the Signs album came out. <laughs> And uh, I remember hearing that song as a kid, so it was really like wild to, you know, like the first time I was on stage singing it or, you know, singing like Carolina in the Pines or something, it's just like kind of, it's like one of those weird moments where it's like this, <laughs> you know, there's something that's really cool happening right now and I can't totally grasp it, you know. Um, you know, just, I, I don't know. It's, you know, I, I, there's a lot of people that have come through the band too before, before me, you know, and it's like doing, you know, trying to learn like, you know, uh, you know, it's like, well, here's how Ashby Frank played this song. I wonder if I could, you know, do any better than that. Hmm. You know, <laughs> kind of thing. It's like, there's, there's, there's no way, you know, <laughs> or, you know, like Rick, the hardest part for me has been vocally, you know, like trying to follow Rick Ferris's tenor singing is like you know <laughs> about about impossible you know yeah you have a great voice though man I, I i saw you singing at ibma and your voice really blew me away too don't sell yourself short on that voice <laughs> <laughs> well thanks i mean it, i think that's been 
you know, as, as far as the mandolin and the voice, it's the toughest part for me, or maybe not tough, but, you know, um, figuring out that, and Greg Cahill has been really great about this too. It's like, you know, I'm not looking for, you know, carbon copies of people who've been in the band before, you know, I don't, you don't have to, you know, there was no expectation that I play anyone else's breaks or sing even a harmony the exact way that somebody else sang it, you know? Um, so, so it's, it's been really cool. And, and here's another instance of like, you know, uh, musical growth. I mean, I've grown more in the past year than I ever have. Um, but, you know, trying to figure out how do I, you know, take, how do I fit into this sound that already exists, you know, to some, in, in some way, but, but yet do my own thing and, and still be my own person, uh, you know, be who I am as a musician inside of this already existing uh, sort of, um, you know, history is too big of a word probably, but you know, this, this sort of tradition almost, I mean, it goes back to the seventies, uh, these, these people who have come before me, you know, and, and made these songs and in some cases written these songs and how can I like be who I am and still sort of kind of honor, you know, the, the folks that have, have come through the band before me, you know? So, so that's been cool to, to do that. And, um, it's just like every show, there's at least one moment where I kind of like stop and they're like, ah, this is, enjoy this you know like this is this is really cool <laughs> fun man um this is like that's cool that bluegrass is like a rare uh, music style and where you can do that and where you really can be your own self like going back to bon jovi like whoever the dude was that place that could replace a guitar player <laughs> definitely not stretching out on the solos you know he's, he's right right probably right. getting notes about how off he was from the recording from the 80s you know and right you get to <laughs> exactly. be yourself you know in, in these songs is the set list pretty wide changing too? Like, do you have to consistently work on some of the catalog or do they have, I mean, it's such a huge catalog. I would imagine they probably have some songs that people want to hear. And so, yeah, yeah. It's, um, you know, we, we have a pretty defined set list. We, we have, you know, four sets worth of material, I guess that, you know, we, uh, you know, kind of pick and choose from, they usually take some pretty standard, you know, patterns that we usually start with, you know, like our big set with the same three songs. And then in the middle, it kind of varies, you know, uh, but anyhow, we, we, we started with like, you know, learn two sets of material and then, um, you know, started working in songs and we're still doing that. There's still some older stuff that, uh, you know, we're, we're kind of in the middle of adding like rounder spirit back into the mix and uh, 10 mile Tennessee and um, some of those like, you know, eighties and nineties, uh, songs, you know, that are, are great songs. There's, I mean, there's just so many great songs that special C has done over the years that it's, and then there's, we're trying to, we're adding new material and getting ready to record an album here in a couple of weeks or finish recording it. We've, we've released one single. We've, we've had one single of Blackbird. Blackbird sing your mournful song. High and lonely in the scarlet light of dawn Before those big wheels turn and take my love away Take my love away Winding river, bring her home Bring her back to me and maybe she won't roam Far away from the one who loves her so The one who loves her so and then, uh, I can catch her 
I'm going to finish up that album here uh, in October. Maybe uh, maybe if we don't get it totally finished, uh, uh, a couple of days in November. But that should be releasing in uh, like spring of of uh, this coming spring of twenty three. So. Oh man, great! I tried to get Greg on here, man. It'd be interesting to talk to him about just all the great banjo or great mandolin players that have like yeah. rolled through the door. <laughs> no you kidding! Know? Holy moly, man! <laughs> well, and you know he—he's you know I, I can't uh, you know can't say enough about how great of a guy Greg is. You you know you know him. Um, he's 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 really easy to work for, and uh, or to work with. That's it. Feels like more like sort of working with you know, which is cool. Um, but you know, I, when I, when I joined the band, I was like, yeah, you know, Greg, I just want to be up front with you. You know, your last few mandolin players, you know, you know, Rick and Nick and Nate, um, you know, they were kind of, I was like, I don't, I, I, I'm a bit, you know, I don't play exactly like, them. you know, I, um, you know, I, are you looking for a certain sound? You know, and he was like, no, no, I, I've seen, you know, there's videos and stuff of what you do and, you know, you just do do what you do and that's how it, that's how it works and uh, so that's that's really cool and it, it's it feels cool now you know where i've been playing you know a lot of other songs that other people have recorded on um it feels cool to, to be getting ready to go into the studio and you know like sort of write the next chapter i guess you know in a way put your stamp on it man yeah yeah it's it's cool it, it's really nice too working uh you know we record we record for compass and uh, Allison Brown produces um, all of our albums, uh, and so it's it was just the one single that I've done. Uh, it was really cool working with her as a producer, you know, because she's like genius level musician, you know, <laughs> and uh, and so it's uh, it's it's you know just the way she goes about producing and arranging and like every single note. There's no like filler notes, you know. Um, even on a solo or, or, or singing or like, what's the rhythm going to feel like here? Or, or, you know, you know, just every part of the song is like broken apart and then sort of put back together, you know, and that's, it's going to be a cool album, I think, uh, for sure. I'm excited to hear it, man. I'm so stoked that you get to, uh, you know, to, I'm, just, I'm excited to hear your playing on a special consensus album because I love all those albums and it'll, it'll be really cool to hear somebody, you know, like you playing on one. I'm really, I'm, I can't wait. Yeah, yeah, me, me too. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk a little gear. You had a um, um so Pava is and 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 Ellis are one of the the sponsors on on the podcast, and I couldn't be more proud to have them. They are great people, and and that was proven even more to me um, when you and I met up in one of the hallways there and, and you told me the story about the mandolin you had currently. And so let's talk about your main acts and, and maybe even the, the, the Pava story about the mandolin you had at the show at the IBMA. Yeah. Yeah. So when I joined special consensus, I didn't own a mandolin. Um, I, I, which was, <laughs> I almost know. spit my, my water <laughs> out right there. <laughs> yeah. Uh, talk, talk about faking it till you make it. Oh, man. wow. That's great. <laughs> um, I, I'd been playing a mandolin from a guy who build, uh, who builds them or did build them. I don't think he really builds anymore. And, and then I just wound up, uh, playing the guitar more, you know? And, uh, and so I, 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 you know, had a Martin and, and basically didn't have, uh, 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 an, a, a mandolin that, that, that could cut the gig. And, uh, so I was like, yeah, yeah, Greg, I'll take this gig, but I'm going to have to get a mandolin, you know? And, uh, so anyway, he said, well, 
start asking some builders, you know, I mean, there's, you know, there's a lot of folks will, you know, that'll, you know, respond, you know, favorably to you, you know, saying, Hey, I'm playing, going to be playing with special consensus and, you know, need a mandolin, I, you know, you know, cause it, it, it takes, it takes a while to get, you know, to get one built, you know, but, um, but, you know, he was like, you know, you might can hurry it up along a little bit if, if you, you know, if they know the mandolin is going to be seen a lot, basically, you know. Um, so anyway, I sent out a couple, there's, you know, a couple of queries and, uh, you know, didn't receive too much feedback from a couple of folks. And then um, I sent, at the, at the, I had sent out like two or three maybe questions. And uh, Tom, uh, Tom Ellis and Greg go way back to like the, to the early 80s. They got back to me, you know, really quickly, and uh, and they were like, "Yeah, we'd love to, you know, we'd love to hook you up with a mandolin." And so I, I had played Pava's uh, mandolins at Winfield, I guess, in like 2019, um, and uh, you know, just really, really loved them. And uh, I mean, and I love Ellis mandolins too. I mean, both of them are just killer, killer mandolins. Um, but I like, I like the pop. The Pava's kind of have a a little uh, there's they almost sound more like a fern kind of that sound to me um with a little in the high end a little bit uh which suits suits the way i play um i think maybe maybe just a little bit better uh, but anyway i um i so i said you know what you know what you know could i'd be interested in, in one of these mandolins and uh and pavo was like yeah sure you know i'd love to you know, we'd love to do that, you know, blah, blah, blah. And anyway, she said, it's going to be, it's going to be a while because we're so backed up, you know, because everybody in the world is, 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 you know, buying an Ellis and a Pava mandolin, you know, you can't, you can't, you know, you can't just be like, Hey, you got a free one laying around, you know, uh, that no one's, you know, that no one has, has on order, you know? Uh, so anyway, she said, while, while I'm building yours, um, she sent me one to play, uh, which is like her personal mandolin. And I was like, you know, I was like, no, no kidding. No way. Right. You that's know? And, it's incredible uh, that they would do that. It, it was so nice. I mean, it's, there's really no reason why they, you know, they're not getting any, anything out of that. You know, it's like, just like, just out of the kindness of their hearts. But, but anyway, it's, um, it's a, it's a Pava. It's actually number 400 is what I've been playing. Like what people have been hearing, um, on stage. Um, is a is a Pava F uh, F5 model uh, the, the pro model um, and it's really tricked out with like the inlays and stuff too it's awesome uh, there's a there's a rose on the on the peg head that's just gorgeous uh, and then all the the fretboard inlay too is like you know it's just it's a beautiful mandolin uh, so I've I'm just like pretty fortunate to be able to play it for like a year uh, in addition to now um, my my mandolin was just sent off for finishing. Um, so I should be getting it. Uh, Pava, Pava told me that it, hopefully it'll be like a Christmas gift. <laughs> and, then, and then she's, then she's, then she said, you still have to give me money. Though. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm going to need but, that other one back, please. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it's really cool. I, I, I got to go down and tour their shop, um, which I know you did too. And I remember hearing that, that episode where you talked to Tom, um, but I got to go tour their shop and, uh, you know, it's just a great, operation and a bunch of cool people there in the middle of Austin. And, uh, yeah, couldn't, I couldn't speak more highly of my experience with him. What do you string it up with? Uh, we, we play, um, 
or, or I say we, uh, Special Consensus uh, has a has a GHS endorsement. So I've been just like, there's like five different sets that I keep sort of just trying different ones out. You know, I, I pretty much play, though I think I'm sort of settling on the, just like the bronze, uh, I can't think of the actual name of it, but it's just like kind of the standard bright bronze. Uh, yeah, like the Phosphor Bronze sort of. Yeah, yep, yep, I think, yeah. And so um, that just has a kind of the brighter you know, tone. I just, especially playing a lot of festivals and stuff, you know, I sometimes will sacrifice some like low end nuance for like something that'll cut a microphone, you know? <laughs> do you get, do you play in a mic every gig with special consensus? Yeah. Yeah. I play, um, you know, I go back and forth. I have a little, uh, CAD, um, uh, a little, a little CAD mic. That's like a, a uh, a little condenser deal. Um, and I, uh, sometimes I used to use that more and then I switched to just being like, I'm going to use whatever the sound person has, um, because they probably know it better. But now I'm thinking about going back to it. Cause I've just, you know, there's no, I mean, it really comes down to, there's no good way to mic up a mandolin, you know, um, or the, not one that I found at least, um, in outdoor festival sort of environments, you know, um, um, so I, I, you know, I, I like the pickup idea, but it, it, I don't think it really fits the special C sound, you know, maybe in, maybe an onboard mic. Um, but for now I'm just rocking with, you know, with a, with a little CAD condenser. Uh, I should plug one more gig that I, I, I should have told you about earlier, but I, I forgot. Um, Dan Eubanks, who plays the bass in, uh, in special consensus. And I have this, um, trying to get off the ground we've only played one gig so far but we have merch so i don't know what kind of a ratio that is but, <laughs> oh heck uh, that's a smart ratio <laughs> <laughs> um we're a real band if we've got merch i guess um but it's uh, it, we call it your truck sucks and um <laughs> and <laughs> but it, it's spelled like you are t-r-u-k-s-u-x and it's got little umlauts above the u's you know um <laughs> and we're we're basically doing like sort of punk rock uh versions of of like first generation bluegrass songs um and i'm playing electric mandolin on that and it's so it's like electric mandolin electric guitar electric bass and drums and uh we're doing like a you know like basically kind of like you know almost like a surf rock you know you know for a lot of for a lot of uh you know like monroe classics and it's all kind of stuff and it's it's really fun and and so i can't I don't have any gigs to plug with it because uh, we're like working on getting some more around Nashville. We're just playing around Nashville, you know, for now. Um, but it's a, it's really cool to, and, and speaking of mics made me think of this because it's like for once I can just like be heard, you know, cause I'm playing it electric. And so if I, if I, if, you know, if I can't hear myself, I just turn my amp up. You know? <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, I'm playing like a, I'm playing a gold tone, uh, electric mandolin which is just like pretty cheap um but it you know it sound it's not as huge of a deal i guess the instrument if it's i have one of those and it sounds yeah. that's it's like that stacked it's a stacked humbucker uh-huh, and i'm uh-huh. surprised how great it sounds <laughs> it sounds great i mean i you know i'd like some other electric mandolins down the road but it's like certainly getting the job done right now and sounds good um yeah so that's that's been pretty 
that's been pretty fun too. So the uh, the last two questions. The first one is um, a lot of people's favorite, and that's the uh, ten minute a day question. Where you know, if you only had ten minutes a day to work on stuff, what's something that you think would help somebody become a better player? Yeah, this this is like always. You know, it's always interesting to see what people are going to say. Uh, you know, with this question, there's so many things you can do. Um, there's like, you know, as far as practice stuff, I think a lot of people focus on like the fingers, you know, and like, like getting your mechanics down, which is like obviously super important. Um, but I'm going to say a thing, um, for like your brain. Um, I, I like to do like, even before, like take 10 minutes or so before a set and try to just try to write a tune. Um, like, like, you know, it doesn't have to be good. It probably won't be that good, but just like a simple A, B, like fiddle tune feeling thing, you know, or just an A part if you're, if you don't feel, you know, like whatever you can sort of come up with, um, just like, and I think too, just kind of letting your fingers do the writing as well, you know, just like kind of trying to free, like kind of like open your mind or, or free your mind or however you want to put it and kind of like just start kind of start playing or noodling and seeing what comes out on the fretboard, you know, like it almost opens up like an associative part of your brain um, and gets it kind of stretched out, um, you know, but before I go on stage, I I like to do that. But I think it's also a a cool like practice um, thing, you know, is, is, is just like, you know, kind of forget about the mechanics for a second and just, you know, start making connections between notes on the fretboard and just like try to think on the fretboard, you know, like I've, uh, I've not, I've, you know, sort of, I'm a very much a novice at, uh, some like sort of, sort of Buddhist, uh, meditation practices. And, you know, I'm very, very much a novice and not, not speaking as an expert, but it's like a similar sort of thing feels like to me when, uh, when, when you're trying to like, uh, you know, it's like see see the thing inside of you without without looking at it too hard you know like doing doing that same kind of thing on the fretboard um it's like try try not to think about the notes but let your hands and ears kind of find where they go you know and a a cool way to to do that i think is to try to write a tune uh is to kind of like you know uh you know, like uh, sort of prepare your mind as much as your hands for, for maybe playing on stage or, or whatever you're doing. Cause I, I play pretty improvisationally. I don't really have worked out solos. You know, I just, I get, I get uh, not bored, but I, I like to just like, it's more fun for me when I can like do it, try it something new every night, you know? And so, and I like it when other people are doing that too, not to say there isn't something about, having prepared solos that's really fun and there can be awesome and stuff but it's like when the when the player doesn't maybe know where he's going or or they're going next and you don't either it's like a cool kind of journey that you go on (laughs) together you know so so anyway uh, sorry this is a long answer no it's great buddy (laughs) no worries but but just you know uh you've got to be able to sort of think on the mandolin um you know and not and not have like like your 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 rational mind almost get in the way is how I feel about it. You know, like you can't be like, okay, I need to play a, a flat seventh here coming up. You need to, so you need to be like, you know, I need to have this sound coming up. You know what I mean? And, and so like, if you can get your thinking mind sort of almost out of the way um, 
and just get a little closer to the mandolin. I think a cool way to do that is to like, just, you know, you know, it's almost like if you were going to have a conversation in another language, like that's not your first language, you know, um, you know, just like trying to like write a paragraph in before you went and talked or something, you know, like turning that part of your brain on, you know, uh, my favorite, my favorite saying is if you think you stink, I mean, I can't think of how many times I <laughs> right. lived up to that saying by literally thinking about what I want to do two seconds before it comes and I just blow it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. You can't, yeah, like you're your own worst enemy most of the time. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're telling me, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> and then the uh, the final question, man, and it sounds like you might have done some pre work. Is um, do, do you have a favorite beer? Well, I do, but I want to I want to do just a tiny. You know, it's almost like I'm getting paid by the North Dakota uh, Tourism Committee or something. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I want to I want to recommend three breweries uh, in North Dakota if if you're ever going through there. Um, um, my favorite beer, just of all time, is Old Milwaukee. By the way, so oh, don't. Wow. don't <laughs> <laughs> don't uh, don't don't think I'm getting too fancy or too big for my britches or something. <laughs> I've written some good so- or some you know songs that are as good as I could write on, on old Milwaukee. Um, but anyway, as far as breweries, man, I lived in Grand Forks, and my favorite brewery in Grand Forks is uh, called Half Brothers. Um, and and just just um, I just I guess by the way, and the best I don't know if you spent much time in like Minnesota, North Dakota anywhere up in there but i haven't the the beer culture is really really great up there it's a it's just like a pretty big you know beer uh uh you know they they love their beer up there um <laughs> uh, it's, it's it's you know it's a bunch of germans and uh irish and and norwegians and and such and, and anyway uh, the the craft brewing scene up there is pretty pretty strong uh Anyway, so in Grand Forks, Half Brothers is my favorite uh, brewery, and I've played some music there. And uh, my favorite beer that they do is called the the Harvester of Sour. So <laughs> it's, it's a like a you know, name. Yeah, yeah, it's like the Metallica song, you know. But the Harvester of Sour, and uh, it's uh, I love sours. It's my favorite uh, kind of beer. Um, and they they always do these weird and cool, like limited. You know, it'll be like a Sour Patch Kids flavor or like a you know, gummy bears. I just do all kind of weird things uh, to it. But anyway, that's a, that's a cool brewery in Grand Forks. If you ever, for whatever reason, happen to be passing through there, um, stop there. And then uh, a typical brewing in Minot, North Dakota, is like a, almost a sour beer focused brewery. And um, they, they put out some killer stuff too. And I've played music some with the guy who, who owns the brewery. And uh, he's, he's a cool dude. And so I got to, got to suggest atypical if you're in, if you're in Minot. And then, uh, and then last, uh, in Bismarck, there's a, a brewery called the laughing sun brewery. And these are all places I've played and like know the people, you know, so they're, they're cool places. And, and, uh, the red dwarf sour from laughing sun is fantastic. Uh, it's like a, it's like a, uh, I guess a, kind of a cherry tasting sour maybe, or some kind of, some kind of fruit like that. Um, but it, anyway, it's a cool place. It's a cool venue too. They have they have a lot of music there, a lot of local local stuff, and people passing through. And uh, it's definitely worth checking out if you're going east or west on ninety. Uh, is is a uh, or uh, sorry ninety four is is, uh, is to stop in Bismarck. Anyway, that's the that's the North Dakota uh, brewery craft brewery 
uh, tour sponsored sponsored by uh, North Dakota. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I always I always got a shill for North Dakota whenever I can because it's like a hidden gem in my mind. <laughs> yeah, man, I've never been there, but I mean, you make me want to go there now, and so you're doing. <laughs> you're, they should be yeah. definitely they should definitely hire you. I'll send them a copy of this and be like, I think I'm gonna find your new spokesperson. Yeah, right. <laughs> Forget, forgot, forget Josh Duhamel. It's it's me. <laughs> that's now. right. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> well, dude, thank you so much for taking the time to do this, especially post IBMA, and and uh, it's really been a pleasure. Where can everybody find you? Uh, yeah, you can uh, you can find me. I try to keep a pretty um, pretty you know active Instagram. Um, I think it's Pruitt underscore Michael. I've just searched Michael Pruitt. You can find me there. Um, that's that's probably the best place to keep up with me. I have a website too, um, michaelpruitt.net, which I keep tour dates on, and I'm hoping to build that up, you know, to be a little more like for folks to have more of a reason to go there. Um, but if if you're interested in any kind of like, you know, lessons or or you know, ha- have any kind of note to send to me, there's like a contact form there. Um, or you can just send me a message on Instagram or something. But um, yeah, try to try to post fiddle tunes and just playing playing stuff uh you know as often as i can i really appreciate you doing it. it's been it's really great to meet you in person last week and i really appreciate you doing the podcast man i'm, I'm excited to hear this new special c album and um and hopefully a solo album it sounds like maybe coming up here sometime maybe next year <laughs> yeah yeah man well thanks for thanks for having me on it was great to meet you too um it's uh it's always cool you know meeting uh meeting the face behind the voice (laughs) (laughs) but yeah yeah solo album uh yeah just getting ready to go into the studio with special c and then i think the next month or no i'm sorry that yeah in december um have uh have uh, some dates lined up to to go into the studio for for a a solo record that uh, an instrumental album that should be should be pretty cool so maybe maybe more on that later yeah man well you're you're welcome (laughs) back on anytime so let me know when that's done yeah, absolutely. Thanks a lot, Daniel. It was uh, this, was, uh, this was my honor. Thanks so much to Michael for doing the podcast. Uh, really great guy, great player. If you get a chance to see Special C out there on the road, be sure you go out. Tell him I said hello. And in the meantime, follow Michael on Instagram. And uh, thanks for listening, everybody. Have yourselves a fantastic weekend. Cheers, everybody.